in a speech, you know that the introduction is very important because you want to catch people right away with what you're teaching. And of course, you want to develop that in the body of that letter or your speech. But the conclusion of a speech or a letter is just as important. Because the main message that you've been communicating this whole time, you want to make sure that they leave remembering that for the rest of their lives. Here's some great examples of people that have done that. For example, Martin Luther King Jr. He ended his uh, speech with, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Or Mother Teresa, where she said, spread love everywhere you go. Let no one ever come to you without leaving happier. Or JFK, where he said, And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And as we wrap up our message series on our first Thessalonians text here, I'll go back one second, that's my fault there. We're going to end with Paul's words In 1 Thessalonians 5, he is going to give a conclusion that he hopes that the church of Thessalonica will remember and implement in their faith, and I'm hoping that will happen with us as well. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to be uh, here the whole time. And so if you have a Bible, we'll read it through your Bible, and I'll read it to you here. It will not be on the screen, so listen along if you do not have a Bible. Here's Paul's words. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you, who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good, and stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and make your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. So dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. Paul, he said this last part before COVID. Dear brothers and sisters, greet each other with a holy kiss. And I command you in the name of the Lord to read this letter to all brothers and sisters. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I want to tell you about a special man. His name is Tyler Trent. When Tyler Trent was 14 years old, in 2014, he was diagnosed with cancer. And thankfully, after months of fighting it, his cancer went into remission. He was an incredible man, and as he was growing up, he was a huge Purdue Boilermaker fan. It was his dream to go to school there, and he worked so hard despite cancer, and he received a scholarship to go there. But in his senior year, He was diagnosed with cancer for the second time. But he was not going to let cancer deter him from his dream. And through willpower and determination, he had surgery two weeks before the semester was going to kick off. And he still made it to his first class at Purdue. When he was going to school there, as much as he could, he was also in the fight battling against cancer. He raised $100,000 for cancer research. His story was featured on ESPN Game Day. He was a captain for numerous Purdue Boilermaker games, and I think he was the main reason why they ended up upsetting Ohio State a few years ago. He ended up having cancer not once, not twice, but three Times And he fought, and he fought, and he fought. But at the age of 20, Tyler Trent passed away. 
Now, Tyler Trent, he lived life to the fullest. Despite cancer, he was an inspiration to so many. And the reason he could live that way is because of his faith in Jesus. When he was raising uh, awareness for cancer research, he ended up giving these uh, bracelets out to those who were his, his supporters. And he, there was called the Tyler Strong Bracelet. And then on the other side of that bracelet was 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And again, these verses say this. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Imagine a young man fighting cancer, not once, not twice, but three times, having this verse, this passage on his wrist as a representation that he was always joyful and that he was constantly praying and he was consistently thankful despite all the things he was going through. And because of what he has done and what Paul says we also can do, we can live this way as well. Now, when I read this passage, it's an encouraging passage. It's one of those that I know if I embrace it, it will change my life. But I can't help but look at the words always and never stop and in all circumstances. Because I am not a super Christian like the Apostle Paul was. And I don't do these things all the time. Like, I can't always be joyful because there are times when I am sad, when I am down, when I wake up and I don't want to face the world. How can I always be joyful? Or never stop praying? I like to sleep, and I don't pray in my sleep most of the time. And throughout the day, even though I'm a pastor, I'm not thinking about God every single moment of every single day. How do you stop, or how do you always pray without stopping? Or when it's being thankful in all circumstances, some of the situations that I have to go through, that you have to go through, the last thing that I think about is being grateful for those things. So how do you do it? See, this is the problem. So often, and even how I describe it, I'm looking at life through my own perspective, through my own lens. And when I look at life that way, and I don't see things the way God sees things, I'm never going to be joyful in all circumstances. I am going to stop praying. I'm not going to be thankful in all times because I see things the way that I want to see it. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, in order to do these things, you have to remember what God says and how to view it his way. And the key part of this passage is in the end, when he says, for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, in the Greek, that phrase literally means in Christ. This phrase, in Christ, shows up 180 times in the New Testament. And for Paul, it was one of his favorite phrases as it was used 143 times by Paul himself in his letters. These words in Christ define our value, define our worth, give us our identity. We can see things Christ's way when we remember that we are in him and he is in us. And when we remember our value and our identity and our worth, we see things in his way, then we can live his way. That's what Tyler Trent did. He didn't see life through his lens because if so, he knew his life was limited. He knew he was going to die. He wouldn't be thankful in all circumstances. But he saw things through God's lens, knowing he was in Christ, and then he could live out these verses the way that God wants us to, through his strength. 
So again, going back, how can you do this? Well, we do it in Christ, and if we're in Christ, we can always be joyful. Now, to be joyful is not dependent on how we feel or what we're going through. You can still not feel joy or happiness or be going through hard things and still have joy. Because joy is a settled confidence that God is in control. Despite how you feel, despite what you're going through, when you know deep down that God is in control and you're confident in there, you can rest in him and therefore always be joyful despite how you feel or what you're going through. I love how Henry Nouwen puts it. He says, joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. It is a choice based on the knowledge that we belong to God and have found in God our refuge and our safety and that nothing, not even death itself, can take, away, can take God away from us. That is true joy. And every day that you and I wake up, we have a choice in what we trust in or whom we trust in. And when we trust God despite how we feel or despite what's going on in life, you will have this settled confidence, this joy in your life that will get you through all, of circ- all the life circumstances that you go through. And what's so great about this, that when you realize you're in Christ and he will develop this joy in you, eventually that joy will spill out of you. Have you ever been around someone who just has that joy that even though they're going through hardship or they're not feeling happy, they still exude this confidence that God is in control despite everything going on around them. That joy is contagious. It makes you want what they have. And when you have that joy and you walk into any life circumstance, or you go into work or a family situation or even in your neighborhood or with other friends and you have that, people start to realize that God is real. They they see that he's real in you and they can know that it's real for them as well. You can always be joyful when you know you're in Christ. Paul, he goes on and says, never stop praying. Corrie ten Boom, one of the most amazing women in history who spared the lives of Jews to keep them from the German oppression in World War II says this, is prayer your steering wheel or spare tire? I love that question. Actually, I hate that question because I know the answer that it usually is for me. (laughs) How often is prayer the first thing that we go to? Usually it's not. It's like a spare tire. We go to it when we need something or we're in trouble. We're on the side of the road. God, help me. But what if prayer could be the thing that drives everything that you do? Prayer, at its simplest form, is to depend on God. It's to depend on God for all things, knowing that he is in control, knowing that if I go by my own wisdom and my own strength and my own knowledge, I'm going to crash my car into the ditch. But if I allow God to take that wheel and steer that for me, I know exactly that no matter what happens, he's going to get me to exactly where I need to be. It's dependence on God. It's open hand saying, God, my life is yours. Lead it the way that you want. A lot of times we don't pray because we don't know what to say. I can be that way too. 
You want to pray, but you're not even know what to tell God. Here's just a few phrases that at least help me. And they're real small phrases that you can offer up any time of the day, depending on what you're going through. Maybe you're drowning. You throw up to God, God, rescue me. Throw me a life raft. I need to get in. Or strengthen me. You want to have the strength to get through that situation. You don't want God rescue you. You just know that you're weak and you need his strength to get through whatever that situation is. Or it's a great way to say, God, bless me. I want your favor. I want to see that you are real, so show me that. Shower me with your blessings. Or forgive me. How often we blow it with the Lord just to say, sorry, forgive me that I haven't been living the way that you want me to. Or just the prayer that Jesus prayed moments before he died. Not my will, but your will be done. I know I want it this way, God, but I want to make sure to do it your way. These are just simple phrases that you can offer up to God all throughout the day depending on what you're going through. It's not about what you say. It's what you trust in. That's what prayer is. It's depending on trusting in God throughout the day to help you live the life that he wants for you. You are in him. So live with hearts open, hands open, ears open to God and let him determine what he wants to do in your life. And then Paul, he says, be thankful in all circumstances. Paul does not say, be thankful for all circumstances. How bizarre would it be if we were to be thankful for all circumstances? I'm not thankful when I hear about a good friend who just received a cancer diagnosis. We're not thankful when we lose one of our beloved family members. We're not thankful when a friend betrays us. That's usually not what we think about. And God doesn't say you have to be thankful for those things. But how can you be thankful in those things? See, when you're in Christ, you realize what Psalm 23 says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, you are with me. When we are in Christ, we can be thankful in those circumstances because we know God is with us. If I know God is with me, I can get through anything and not just get through it, to get through it in a way that helps me grow in my faith. It's when we go through those valley moments that we are knowing that God is real, that we know that faith is real, that we know that we can continue to grow despite those things. We can be thankful in those things. He is with us. He is for us. He will do things despite all the circumstances in your life. We can be thankful in those things because we are in Christ. You can, always be, you can always be joyful. You don't ever have to stop praying. You can always be thankful just the same way Tyler Trent was. If you know where you stand and whose you are. Paul, he goes on in this passage. He says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. That word stifle literally means quench, and that word quench literally means to douse a fire to put it out. We like to have fires in our backyard, and there are times where I'm just like, I'm just going to let it go. It's going to die on its own. And then I'm in my house. I'm thinking to myself, knowing my luck, somehow something's going to catch on fire. We have woods behind our house. Those are going to catch on fire. It's going to catch my house on fire. The Perkins School buses are behind us. They're going to catch on fire. And so a lot of times I will run outside. I'll fill up a bucket and I'll douse that fire 
so that it puts it out completely. Paul is saying the same thing. That there are things that we are doing in our lives to douse the fire of God's Spirit. When we are in Christ, though Jesus went to heaven, Jesus says, I'm going to send an advocate, the Holy Spirit, to live in you and guide you as if I am here with you. And though we are in Christ, and though we may go to church, and though we may read the Bible, though we may be praying, that doesn't mean that we're not dumping water on the fire of God's Spirit in our lives, rendering God ineffective in our lives. Because there are a lot of times in my life where I blame God for what I'm going through or he's not working in my life. And I wonder if God sometimes is saying to us in that passage, you've been stifling me, you've been quenching me, you've been throwing water on my fire inside of you. No wonder that I'm not at work because you keep dousing it. There's a lot of times we douse it with our own habitual sin. God, of course, forgives all sin, but if we're not willing to turn away from that and we continue in it and we know we are, we can't expect God to be at work in our lives. We're just dumping water on the fire in our lives. There's some of us that continue to dump water on the fire in our life when we're, don't, we're not forgiving. If you are constantly bitter against someone that has hurt you, I can promise you that you're pouring water on God's spirit in your life. That it is so hard to forgive people. And I'm one of those people that can hold a grudge if I'm not careful. But when I realize how much I have been forgiven by what I have done towards the Lord, and he forgives me willingly, and not just he forgave me, but he was willing to die in order to forgive me, how much more do I, should I, Forgive others who have hurt me. And if you continue to pour this on God's spirit in your life, no wonder he's not at work if you're just bitter all the time. Maybe for you it's at work. You want to get ahead and so you're gossiping about people and slandering people behind their backs, hoping that people don't look at them the same way. And therefore when there's a promotion or there's another opportunity, they overlook that person in order for you to get that. You may get that promotion. Congratulations. But at the same time, you're rendering God ineffective in your life. And I would rather not get a promotion and have God continue to speak to me and live through me and be active in my life. Some of us need to put the bucket down and let him do that. Or other ways that you may know that you have been quenching the spirit in your life where you know this isn't God's fault. This one's mine. So the question is, are you pouring water on the fire that's God's spirit in your life? Or are you pouring gasoline? Because we know what happens when we pour gasoline in that fire. It's going to be a huge raging fire. And that's what I want in my life, in your lives, when it comes to God's spirit being at work. Because when God's spirit is at work in us, so many things can happen, including what Paul says here to the Thessalonians. He says, do not scoff at prophecies. But test everything that it, is, that it said. Hold on to what is good and stay away from all kinds of evil. Now back in God's day, a lot of times God would allow people known as prophets to speak on his behalf. 
And people would go around and have a message from God to give to people, and that's God speaking to them through that person. We see that in the Old Testament a lot, and we still see that in the New Testament. Paul's saying this is happening. And there are people that you're going to know that are from God, and then there's going to be other people that are going to speak on God's behalf that you may think it's from God, but you don't know. So how were they to know? Well, they had to put down their buckets. If they wanted to see the Spirit at work, not just inside of them, but in the church, they had to make sure to put down their buckets so they didn't quench the Spirit. The Spirit's fire could be roaring. They would be together. They would look at the letters from Paul. And if someone were to come and speak about God, they had one test in mind to make sure it was from God. And that test was to see, did it confirm the person in the work of Jesus? If people came and spoke and it confirmed and, 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 it, and it was about Jesus and it showed what he did and the person he was, then we know that is from God himself. Anything else, reject it, Paul said. For us, we have an advantage, but we also have a disadvantage. Our advantage is we have the completed work of Scripture. And what's so nice about this is that collectively, we want to make sure to put down our buckets so that we can collectively see what God is doing in our midst. We put down the buckets. We allow God's fire to roar with us. We look at what is being said, and we have to hold it up to God's word because God binds himself to this. If someone says something and it's in here, that means it's from God's mouth. If I'm saying something and it, and it is not in here. It doesn't line up with the message of Scripture. It doesn't matter what a great speaker someone is, or how amazing they are as a person, or how good looking they are, or how convincing they are. If it's not in here, it's not from God. And what is so scary, and I see this a lot on TikTok, and Instagram, and Facebook, and even on TV still, are a lot of people say a lot of things about Jesus that are not in here. It sounds really, really, really good until we realize, well, God doesn't want to make all your dreams come true because when I read this, that's not all that's happening here. Or God wants you to be happy. He wants you to be happy, but he also wants you to be holy, and sometimes our happiness isn't always lining up with that. There's so many messages that we think are in Scripture that isn't. So you have to make sure it's in here. And if it's from God, accept it from God. But if it's not, you must reject it. And so here at the chapel, we really treat God's word as the highest priority at our church. And so starting next week, we're kicking off a message series for about five weeks leading up to Easter on Psalm 119. It has over 170 verses in it. We're not going to get to it all but we want to see what does God's word have to say about this and this and this and this in our lives. So we make sure that it's from God himself. And we have incredible resources like the Dwell Bible app. These things are in your worship program that you can just scan it and sign up today. The Dwell Bible app will read the scripture to you, which I really like. But if you're, let's say you're going through depression right now. And you want to know what does God's word have to say about that? You can literally type in the word depression on this app. It'll curate a Bible verse playlist almost that will just read scripture to you to help speak to you in your depression. 
or whatever that is. It's a free resource. As a part of our Growing Deeper Fund that we want to give to everybody. In fact, if you look up the chapel on here, we have a Psalm 119 Lent reading experience that you can read along with over the next few weeks. That's a free resource for you. And then another resource we have is Right Now Media. Right Now Media is an incredible resource library of all of these pastors and all of these speakers that have Bible studies and different topics from marriage to parenting to singleness to all of those different things that you could sign up for free and start watching right now because we need to make sure that messages that are being said about God line up with God's word and these resources help you know him more and more in that way. Finally, the Apostle Paul, he says it this way. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. We said that a conclusion is so important in a speech or a letter because it leaves you with some of the most important points of a message. And this is one of the most important things Paul will say to the Thessalonians. He reminds them of who God is. God is a God of peace. Just like joy, when we go to God for this peace, despite what's going on all around us inside, we can have tranquility. Because he will give that to us. And when we go to him, he will give it with himself because of what Jesus has done for us. And then he will give it for us together. And so if I don't have peace with someone in my life, that never happens, let's say, in my marriage. I can go to the Lord of peace and seek him. And when I'm seeking God, I can see all the things that not Paula is doing wrong, but what am I doing wrong? And I realize I have broken the peace and I can go to him and he will give me that peace to mend what has happened even in my marriage or whatever situation you're going through. He is the God of peace and this God of peace will make you holy. He says spirit, soul, and body. That means all of you is to become holy, which simply means to become more and more like Jesus in every single way. He is so committed to that that Paul says that he is faithful. Which means when we drop the ball in our own relationship with God, which we do often, God doesn't walk away. He still shows up day after day. No matter how many times that we dump water on the Holy Spirit in our lives, he comes through every single time. Because he is faithful. And just like Paul wants to conclude with remembering God's faithfulness, I want to do that as well. So would you stand with me as I read some verses over you this morning, reminding you that no matter what you have done in your life or how you have dumped water on God's spirit or whatever you have done to put your hand out like this to God, God's arms are always open to you and he will receive you as you are because he is faithful. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies, they never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. 
And finally, the psalmist says, I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. He sang of the Lord's faithfulness, and we want to conclude this series by doing the exact same thing.